This morning, we'll be reading from Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20, the Great Commission. Now, the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw, when, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember that I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. You ever felt like you had a task that just seemed a little too great? Like it was something, there was just no way that you could do this thing. Like it was just too much for you. It was too great for you. It was just a task that you did not feel like you could accomplish. I've I've been having several conversations recently with different pastors about what they're doing in this season and how church is going for them and and the challenges of these things, a friend of mine that writes our website sent me a bunch of questions to kind of think through, and and um, one of them was, you know, what what do you wish you had would have known three months ago that you know now? And there's a whole list of them, and I I jokingly said, yeah, you know, in seminary, I missed the pastoring during a pandemic class. I guess I just didn't have time my schedule for that one. But we all, we all feel like sometimes in life we have these tasks that seem too great for us that we can't accomplish. Think about the first time you had to, you, you had to face that certain pitcher that you knew had a real good fastball. And you thought to yourself, well, I don't know if I could hit him. Or the first time you got that piece of music that you had to play. You looked over and you thought, oh, there's no way I'm going to be able to, 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 to play this. Or the first time you, you, stepped, you stepped up to give that public speech you th- and you saw the crowd in front of you and you thought, oh, there's no way I can, I can do this. Or maybe the first time I, uh, I try to give blood every so often and I, I so admire the folks that have to stick that vein. Those of you that are in the medical field, the first time you had to, had to stick that vein just right or have that first uh, upset patient or... Deal with that first situation. We've all been there. We've all had these tasks that seem too great for us. That we just don't know if we can accomplish what it is that lay in front of us. As I do with so often in my life, when I think through things, I always take them back to Star Wars. And I thought a lot about Luke Skywalker. Spoiler alert. You know, in in his, 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 his trials as a Jedi. And how so often... In, 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 in the Empire Strikes Back, and then even in Return of the Jedi, he didn't know that if he could do it. And he had to go to Yoda and say, and, and ask for help and wisdom, and Obi-Wan Kenobi, and he would have these people, he could ask for wisdom, because he did not know if he could face Vader by himself, or if he could accomplish this task that seems too big. We all, we've all been there, haven't we? We all, sometimes in our life, have a task that seems so great that we just do not think we can accomplish it. One of the most terrifying moments of my life was um, when I proposed to Holly. And she said yes. And I realized, oh man, this is for real. We're getting married. This is all fun and games. It just picked up a notch. 
And I realized, oh my gosh, there's some things I got to grow up on. There's some things I got to learn. There's some ways I've got to mature. If I'm going to be a husband, and I felt completely and utterly overwhelmed by the task that lay in front of me. I found a mentor or a spiritual director that helped me to grow and learn and develop my faith and develop my maturity level. But when I realized that, oh my goodness, we actually are getting married, (laughs) I had to really think about how I needed to grow into this task ahead of me. We've all been there. We've all had a task that seems too great. Today in the text, we see the disciples, and they had a task that seemed too big for them. Jesus tells them, they're to go and make disciples of all nations. When you read the Greek of this passage, it's really interesting. There's some really neat things the Greek tell you. But all nations meaning everybody. And so there were so many things that for these Jewish fishermen that Jesus just told them to do that blew their minds. First off, you didn't just leave your hometown. I mean, they already, folks already looked at them like they were crazy because they left Galilee. And now Jesus is telling them they're going to go to all the world and make disciples. And like all the world, that means like Gentiles. And like we don't really hang out with them. And now we've got to make disciples of them. Boy. And remember, this isn't that far from Easter. And from Good Friday. And I don't need to remind you what happened on Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday that all the disciples ran or failed. And now here's Jesus telling them that they're going to do all this. It's a pretty big task. Seems like a bit much. And I love. I love the insight of the text here. Because it said, some worshiped and some doubted. The, the Bible's full of little, little things like that. One of my favorite parts in Scripture is um, in John. John's gospel, one of the interesting about John's gospel is John never names himself. In the gospel, there's always uh, a title of the disciple whom Jesus loved. And folks have said, well, you know, John was so humble that he, he didn't even want his name mentioned in the scriptures. And so that's why he always called himself the disciple for whom Jesus loved. Maybe, but there's this neat little instance in John's gospel on the resurrection where John and, G- and Peter run to the tomb. And John's sure to include that he beat Peter in a foot race. But he waited on Peter to get there to go in. You know, John's just like, for the record, for all of eternity, in God's holy word, I want it noted that I outran Peter. Okay? So just write that down in ink. I beat him in a foot race. Today, can you imagine being one of the disciples who doubted? You're like, thanks, guys. Thanks. Okay. So for all of history, at least they didn't name names like poor Thomas. But for all of history, we're wondering, who was that doubted? I bet it was Andrew. I bet it was whoever, you know? Jesus gives them this task. Some worship. And we're going to talk about what that means in one second. And some doubted. And you know what they did? You know what they did? They did it. They obeyed. 
They followed him. They went to the ends of the world. There's a, there's a tomb in the Holy Land that I've never been into, but Sam used to always swear it was the actual tomb of Jesus. Because inside this tomb um, was some graffiti that dates back to the first century. And on this tomb, there were pictures of ships with sails unfurled. And written above these sails in Aramaic were, Lord, we went. What did Jesus tell us? Tell them here, go to the end of the world. Decades after Jesus told them that, they came back and wrote on the tomb, Lord, we went. That's what a disciple is. A disciple obeys. It's interesting. In this text today, um, it's, it, says, it says they worshiped. And when you read the actual Greek, there's, there's, there's two things that are interesting in this passage that really kind of jogged my, that really kind of made me think this week. One of, one of which is, is it says they worshiped. And so when we think of worship, you know, we either think of, we think of worship like what we do as Christians nowadays, singing or praying or praising. You know, that's kind of what we think about. No matter, no matter how we experience it, we think of worship in that way. That's kind of our mind's typical understanding of worship in our context. But the actual Greek in there is not talking about worship like we think of, but it's talking about submission, kneeling, bowing, laying, lay, lay, laying prostrate, you know, laying before God. This act of humble submission. Acknowledging that Jesus is Lord. Acknowledging that you bend your knee to Jesus. And then the ones who doubted, we think of intellectual doubt, but actually the word there is wavered. Like they were, they kind of wanted to, which I guess is doubt, but they, they were like, well, do I, you know, I want to I bow to him as Lord, but then I'm afraid, or these sort of things, and they wavered. And so this notion of worship is an act of obedience, an act of submission, an act of obeying, as we just sang. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. The, the word baptism, it's interesting. It's so interesting. In, in, in the first time we see that word appear in the Greek is a 4th century B.C. recipe for pickles. Isn't that awful? Pickles? I mean, what's worse than a pickle? Ugh, I hate pickles. Pickles are the worst. They're the, they're the worst. But the significance of it is the word baptism in that recipe implies that the cucumber is changed from the cucumber into something else. That baptism is an act where that cucumber is changed. Baptism implies a change. A change of obedience, a change of allegiance, a change of heart, and a change of action. Jesus gave these disciples a task that seemed so great. And some immediately said, we got it, we're on it, Lord, we're on it, we bow, we worship, we got this. Others wavered, doubted, and didn't. But here's the thing, they all did. They all went. Every disciple here went and made disciples. On next week's Pentecost, and we'll talk about 
what gave them the power to go and do this. But I, what I want you to hear that now is this, is that they all went, even those that doubted, they obeyed. Here's what I love. So I read this passage this week about that concept of those who doubted. The Lord didn't just pick the ones with a rock star, superstar faith, did he? He didn't just say, okay, Peter, James, and John, my big three here, y'all go do this. Now, the rest of y'all, y'all go over here and do this. But you three, I want y'all to go make disciples, and the rest of y'all, I want y'all to do something else. No. He said, all of y'all, all of y'all. Go make disciples. Jesus did not just call and send the ones with perfect faith. Jesus didn't just call and send the ones who had it all figured out. Jesus didn't just call and send the ones that, 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 had, that were ready to go. He called all of them. Jesus is not waiting on you to figure it all out. Jesus is not waiting on your faith to be rock solid. Jesus is not saying that you've got to have a perfect faith and a perfect life to be used by him. He's saying, no, all of us, all of us. He has a task for all of us, even if we struggle with doubt, even if we struggle with worry and fear and anxiety. The faithful life is not just reserved for those that have it all figured out, who have a rock star life. He tells the disciples to go and make disciples. A disciple is not somebody that has it all figured out. A disciple's not a person with perfect faith, but the word disciple in this context means one who obeys. Even with doubts sometimes. Even if they don't have it all figured out. Even if they don't know all the answers. Even if they feel unworthy or weak and afraid, they still obey. I'm somebody who struggled with doubt in my life. My wife, she has, she has that perfect rock star faith that I so admire and wish I had. The Bible talks about faith being a gift. I believe she has the gift of faith. She has faith sometimes where I question and doubt. But we've both been tasked with the task of making disciples. A disciple is not somebody who's perfect. A disciple is not somebody that has it all figured out. A disciple is not somebody that doesn't have questions from time to time. A disciple is somebody who has tasted and seen the goodness of Jesus Christ and will then obey Jesus Christ. And when you obey, when you trust and obey, there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. When we trust and obey, then we see and know and experience the fullness of God. When we trust and obey, we know the depth of God's love. That's what being a disciple is. He doesn't call us here to go out and make believers, those that just describe to an intellectual belief system, but he tells us to go and make disciples of those who obey Jesus. When it's hard, when it's challenging, when you don't want to, when you don't have it all figured out. Because, friends, here's the thing. Here's the thing. When we're obedient to our Savior, when we follow his path, when we follow his life, then we find a life truly worth living. 
He doesn't just call the perfect. He doesn't just call the ones who have it all figured out. He doesn't just call the rock stars. He doesn't just call the ones whose lives look blameless and spotless. He calls all of us. Today he's called you. He's called you. He's called you first to know him. Because like one of my old preachers used to say, you can't give witness to what you don't know. He's called you first to know his goodness, his love, and his salvation, and to become a disciple yourself. To love him, to serve him, and follow him. And then he's called you to go tell somebody else about it. He's called you to tell somebody. With your words, tell the story of what God's doing in your life. With your actions, with your social media posts, with all that you are, tell somebody about Jesus. And that may seem like too high a task or too much. But where God calls us, God equips us. And God will not give you a task right now that you, through his grace, cannot accomplish. We're called to obey. We're called to be disciples. We're called to live for him with all that we are. He doesn't just call the perfect. He doesn't just call the ones that got it all figured out. He didn't just call in the text those who worshiped, but he called those who doubted. He said, go, make disciples. One of my friends in college used to always say that faith is coming to a, a ledge and jumping off, knowing that God will either catch you or give you wings to fly. He's called us to a task today that may seem too great, like we can't do it. Our job is to obey, to be that disciple that obeys the will and the word of our Savior, and to teach others to do it. Friends, that's what our world needs right now. Even for those that doubt sometimes. Even for those that struggle sometimes. Even for those that don't have it all figured out. Imagine, 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 imagine if we as his body, as we as his disciples, trusted and obeyed. What a difference we'd make. We change the world, y'all. We change the world. And just like those disciples today, that task may seem too great. But greater is he who's in us than he was in the world. Go make of all disciples. That's our call, y'all, to make disciples for the transformation of the world. Through his grace and by his power, may this task that seems so great be found to be something that through his grace we all can do. Today, may we make disciples.
Let's pray.